Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. We gather once more as a diverse and inclusive spiritual community seeking to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. And whomever you love, we welcome you. May this be a place where you can be your fullest and most authentic self.
morning. I'm Reverend Christy Anderson. And I'm occasionally a guest worship leader at area Unitarian Universalist churches. I arrive without wearing my clergy stool, and I'm usually accompanied by my husband. To most congregants, we probably appear to be typical visitors. These experiences have enabled me to observe the varying cultures of welcome within some UU churches. In addition, when we travel, we try to attend worship at the local UU church. In Charleston and Philadelphia, we were encouraged to speak and identify ourselves during the worship service at a time designated for this purpose. We've also had the experience of attending worship and even social hour at a UU church without anyone ever speaking to us unless we initiated the conversation. My most memorable experience was at a neighboring church last summer when I attended worship the Sunday before I was to lead worship there so I could become familiar with their worship format. People enthusiastically greeted me until I mentioned that I was a member of a UU congregation. I could instantly see their disappointment in the fact that I had no recruitment potential. <laughs> they quickly ended the conversation and moved on to the next stranger in their evangelical quest. Of course, as you use, we are eager to spread our version of the good news and enlarge our church community. But this experience gave me pause. I recall two services this summer led by lay leaders, Christopher Dumb and Saul Flanner and Kathy Walker. There were many new faces in the pews on those Sundays. These individuals were here specifically because they knew the worship leader and were interested in hearing them speak. Knowing that the visitors were not necessarily here to explore the potential of Unitarian Universalism or our church, I hope that I was as cordial to them as I am to other visitors. Sometimes we need a reminder to practice unconditional welcome. In other words, hospitality without a motive. As UU Minister Tom Owen Toole reminds us, we are all wanderers passing through, guests of the universe. And our job as a religious clan is to share Earth's bounty and to set a warm, inviting place for one another. Come, let us worship together. I invite you to stand and remain standing for our covenant, and our music director, Hal Walker, is going to lead us in a song whose lyrics will be on our monitor. Remain seated, thank you. Uh, this song seems to fit quite well with Christie's call to worship. Draw the circle wide, draw it wider still. And the words are over here. There are three sections to this. The choir will sing a section, and then I'll ask the congregation to repeat it. And we'll do that for three different sections. So Vanessa, play through the first part for us.
side. Draw the circle, draw the circle. Let's sing together, draw the circle. Draw the circle. Stand side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Let us draw the circle wide and remind one another of how we will be in that circle together with the words of our congregational covenant. Would you join me now in those words which are in your order of service? We affirm that each life has brilliance and when joined with others in joyful community, has the power to transform. We pledge ourselves and our resources to this journey. This covenant inspires and challenges us to dwell together in right relationship. We promise to extend hospitality, nurture community for all ages, encourage spiritual growth, honor diversity, and practice kindness. A woman dreamed that she walked into a brand new shop in a marketplace, a shop she had never seen before. And to her surprise, God was standing behind the counter, and wiping things down with a sponge. <laughs> what do you sell here, she asked. And God replied, everything your heart desires. Hardly daring to believe what she was hearing, the woman decided to ask for the best things a person could possibly ask for. I want peace of mind and love and happiness and wisdom and freedom from fear. And then as an afterthought, she said, wait, wait, not just for me, for everybody, for everyone on earth. And God smiled at her and said, my dear, I think you've got me wrong. We don't sell fruits here, only seeds. The task of religious education is the work of a lifetime for us all. And so at this time, I'd like to invite my young friends up to the front, if you wouldn't mind. You can just come sit right up here. And if you're teaching this year, would you mind standing in place where you are? Today we begin a new religious education year with Sunday morning programming for our children and our youth. Parker Palmer writes in The Courage to Teach that good teachers join self and subject and students in the fabric of life. We have an hour each week to formally plant the seeds of a lifelong faith, water and air and light and nurture the faith into fruition as a way of being in the world. Those things must come from the curriculum of this community and the work of the families and friends who are part of it with practices and conversations here and also at home. Beloved teachers, May you learn as much as you teach. 
May you find new depth for your own spiritual journey. And may you plant seeds that will flower in unexpected ways. May you know this congregation holds your ministry in deep regard and with great respect. And may the spirit of love and mystery move with and through you. As we commission those who are giving of themselves this year as guides and mentors in the journey of faith, we ask you, their beloved community, to respond by saying, it is my work, it is our work, thank you for the gift of your presence. And there are some movements that go with it. So, it is my work, it is our work, thank you for the the gift gift of of your your presence. It is important for our children to know that they are cared for, to know that they are a part of a larger family, an important part of a bigger human picture. It is is my my work. work. It It is is our work. work. Thank Thank you for the the gift gift of your presence. It is important for our children to believe in themselves, to trust in themselves, and to know that they can make a difference. It is is my my work. It It is is our work. work. Thank Thank you for the the gift gift of of your your presence. It is important for our children to know our story, to carry our principles into the world, and to live them in their daily lives. It is is my work. work. It It is is our work. work. Thank Thank you for the the gift of of your presence. It is important for our children to be comfortable in their faith and to respect the faith of others to live with compassion, integrity, service, and joy. It is my work. It is our work. Thank you for the gift of your presence. May Sarton wrote, return to the most human. Nothing less will nourish the torn spirit, the bewildered heart, the angry mind. And from the ultimate duress, pierced with the breath of anguish, speak of love. Return, return to the deep sources. Nothing less will teach the stiff hands a new way to serve, to carve into our lives the forms of tenderness and still that ancient necessary pain preserve. Return to the most human. Nothing less will teach the angry spirit, the bewildered heart, the torn mind, to accept the whole of its duress and pierced with anguish, at last act for love. Each week we take time to return again to the truest home we have, the home of our spirits, and turn inward for a few moments to connect with the source of life and love, to nurture our spirits with silence and the care of this gathered community, to call to mind the joys and sorrows that come with living, and to reflect on life's mysteries. As you're able, let fleeting thoughts go and pay full attention to your breathing. As you do, you're welcome to close your eyes if you're comfortable. In these moments of silence, know once again you are held in tenderness and care by one another and by life itself. Take time now to meditate or to reflect, to pray or to listen to the still, small voice within, to discern how the spirit of life calls you, to share hospitality with the the world, how you might be called to act for love or to just breathe and be at center of the silence.
Walking through life is just not that easy Trouble and sorrow come in with no reason Same old, same old in a world that's been broken Don't you need a song? Don't you need a welcome, welcome In this moment of grace come in your welcome In the peace of this place we say welcome In the darkness and the light we share a welcome Through the morning and the night these doors are open stops. We share one moon, one breath, and one moment with thrown open arms. Welcome. Somehow all things will fall into Somehow the light comes and shines right through you and me. Oh, mighty love has its own unfolding. Just hold on to the ones you love and sing it ever ending. Welcome, welcome. Beyond politics and faith, come in your welcome. Beyond the walls of fear and shame, we say welcome from the mountains to the valleys and the oceans we call an unbounded welcome welcome we come newborn with opening hearts we are one love and love never stops we share and one moment with thrown open arms welcome walking through life is just not that easy trouble and sorrow come in with no reason same old, same old in a world that's been broken. Don't you need a song? Don't you need a welcome? Welcome. Come newborn with opening hearts. We are one love and love never stops. We share one one breath and one moment with thrown open arms. Welcome. 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 Our first reading today is from the book of Genesis.
It was the hottest part of the day and Abraham was sitting at the door of his tent near the oak trees of Mamre. He looked up and saw three men standing in front of him. When he saw the men, he ran to them and bowed before them. Abraham said, sirs, please stay a while with me, your servant. I will bring some water to wash your feet. You can rest under the trees. I will get some food for you and you can eat as much as you want. Then you can continue your journey. So they said, do as you have said. Abraham hurried to the tent. He said to Sarah, quickly prepare enough flour for three loaves of bread. Then Abraham ran to his cattle. He took his best young calf and gave it to the servant there. He told the servant to quickly kill the calf and prepare it for food. Abraham brought the meat and some milk and cheese and set them down in front of the three men. Then he stood near the men, ready to serve them while they sat under the tree and ate. They said to him, where is your wife Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season and your wife Sarah shall have a son. The second reading is an Islamic folktale by Mullah Nasruddin. The wealthiest man in town had invited everyone to his home one evening for a huge feast. Mullah Nasruddin had been working in the fields all day and his clothes and shoes were filthy. Nasruddin knew that he would be late if he went home to change his clothes before the feast. When Nasruddin arrived, the host opened the door and looked Nasruddin up and down scornfully. Without a word of welcome, he gestured for Nasruddin to come in and walked abruptly away. Nasruddin joined others who were all dressed in their finest clothing. Despite his efforts to hurry, the seats were all taken, and nobody offered a space for Nasruddin. Nobody spoke to him. The other guests ignored him so completely that Nasruddin could not enjoy his food, and he decided to leave. He hurried home and changed into his finest clothing, including a beautiful coat. Nasruddin returned to the feast, and this time the host welcomed him with a huge smile. As Nadruddin entered, people waved and invited him to sit near them. They offered him food. Nasruddin sat down quietly. Picking up a fig, he placed it into a coat pocket, saying, eat, coat, eat. Then he began to feed his coat in earnest, <laughs> grabbing all sorts of foods. He fed the coat lentils and chickpeas, olives and bread, hummus, falafel, chicken, and best of all, the desserts, figs and baklava. Everyone became silent as they watched and wondered, what was he doing? The host asked, Nasruddin, whatever are you doing? Well, replied Nasruddin, when I first came to this feast in my dirty clothing, I was not welcome. But when I returned in this coat, suddenly I was greeted warmly. So I realized it was not me that was welcome at this party, but my clothing. And so I am feeding my coat. Mm. Mm. Our third reading is by Sister Joan Chittister. 
Hospitality means we take people into the space that is our lives and our minds and our hearts and our work and our efforts. Hospitality is the way we come out of ourselves. It is the first step towards dismantling the barriers of the world. Hospitality is the way we turn a prejudiced world around, one heart at a time. Every time I read the news, there's another injustice or cruelty the administration has committed or threatens to commit. More hatred is openly displayed. The monster of fear and divisiveness continues to be fed. I am sick of it and so weary of heart. Our leaders blatantly disregard the fundamental commandment of every religious tradition to love others, to treat the least among us with kindness, to welcome the stranger. A culture of white supremacy encourages behavior, and it got worse after 9-11. Last Wednesday was the 18th anniversary. Do you remember exactly where you were on that day as those horrible events unfolded? I was at work and watching the news in shock as the first tower fell at 10.30 a.m. and the second came down a half hour later. Not including the terrorists, almost 3,000 lives were lost that day. Along with those lives, America lost much more. Fear and distrust took the place of welcoming those seeking refuge from violence or poverty, of living peacefully besides Muslims and others of different faith traditions, of honoring the human diversity that makes life rich and beautiful. Our nation retreated into itself to grieve and begin the still unfinished work of healing. Now the once wide open welcoming doors of our country close ever tighter and fewer people are invited in. Where Christianity has been polluted by the idolatry of nationalism, its leaders have turned their backs on an ancient tradition that is the core of our Judeo-Christian heritage, offering hospitality to the foreigner among us. In the first reading from the Hebrew Scriptures, one of the best accounts of hospitality, three strangers approach Abraham and Sarah's tent. Notice that Abraham did not wait for the visitors to come to his tent. He ran out in the heat of the day to greet them, inviting them into the shade. He didn't ask for names, country of origin, or government-issued IDs. He washed their feet. The visitors are given a meal and welcome to stay until they are ready to continue their journey. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus teaches hospitality as he says, for I was a stranger and you welcomed me. In the early sixth century, St. Benedict wrote his rule, which included how all guests were to be treated as though they were the Christ himself. Travel in Europe was very dangerous in that time. There weren't bed and breakfasts or holiday inns along the way. Monasteries, following the rule of St. Benedict, cultivated the practice of caring for the stranger, the poor, and the traveler. The Benedictines were the first to start hospitals. Hospitality, hospital, and hospice all have their root in the word hospi, which means to save a life, to provide something someone needs to live. That something could be a meal, a safe place to sleep, arms to hold us as we grieve, the space to share a triumph or reflect about a failure, or simply receiving a warm, genuine welcome. Writer Henry Nowen says, 
Hospitality is critical because we live in a world of strangers, people estranged from their own past, culture, and country, from their neighbors, friends, and family, from their deepest selves, and from the sacred. Hospitality is the creation of a free space where connections with others are made and strangers become friends. Hospitality becomes radical, which means out of the ordinary, when we not only meet another's needs, but we enter into deeper relationship with them. The word hospi also means both guest and host. There's a writer who says, hospitality requires that we welcome the stranger, but if we remain unchanged by that encounter, it does not constitute radical hospitality. Radical hospitality is mutual, an opportunity to practice being our most authentic, fullest human selves, not only by giving of the best of who we are, but by opening our hearts to fully receive what others have to offer us as well. Each week, visitors come to our churches. They may have heard that Unitarian Universalism is a liberal religion that challenges people to become their fullest, most authentic selves as human beings and to engage their hearts and minds in the search for truth. Some visitors have been to a memorial service and were so impressed with how we affirm the reality of death and celebrate life that they return. Others come seeking refuge from a harsh, death-dealing world or from lies of abuse, loneliness, illness, or addiction, needing a word of hope to keep going, yearning for a place where they belong, where they are welcome and are finally free to be themselves. Do you remember the first time you came to a UU church? Mm-hmm. It might even be this church. Years later, or even weeks later, or maybe as you're here for the first time this morning, you feel like you've come home. Something inside you says there's a place for you where you are welcome and you are loved. If we're doing church right, the moment a visitor steps in our door, they experience radical hospitality. They enter this free space where connections are made and their gifts are welcomed. And we never know what those gifts might be. Abraham and Sarah received the unexpected blessing of a child. The Hebrew tradition tells us to welcome the stranger, for we may entertain an angel unaware. It might seem like offering radical hospitality is obvious for a spiritual community, but in spite of our best intentions, we don't always get it right. People of color have shared stories where they attended a UU church for the first time and were welcomed, but then told, we need more people like you here. That's objectification, the point Mullah Nasruddin made in the second reading. There are stories of people being followed and treated with suspicion, or they're left to fend for themselves. UU writer David Reinick tells a story about his church. He says, at First Unitarian Church in Worcester, Massachusetts, we realized that despite our best intentions, we were practicing what we came to call the New England welcome, which goes like this. We sincerely welcome you into our church as long as you know how to get here and know what to do and know your way around. <laughs> we'll be happy to talk to you if you initiate, and we promise not to bother you. <laughs> Reinick says we were sincere, but we realized that if we really wanted to practice our values to include and invite everyone, we needed to learn some new ways of being. You heard Christy talk about her experiences. I've been to more than one UU church where I stood alone in the social hall with a visitor's mug in my hand 
and no one talked to me until I went up to say hello to someone. Good thing I'm an extrovert. One Sunday, I was ignored completely, and I'd just been the guest preacher. Truly practicing and living in the spirit of radical hospitality is not easy to do. It invites us and challenges us to step outside our comfort zones, especially if we're introverts or believe that we're socially awkward. It asks us to overcome the fear and hatred and suspicion that are natural reactions to others who are different than we are. Welcoming a stranger is not without its risks. We do need to pay attention who comes through our doors. And I don't offer the practice of radical hospitality as a way to solve all the complex problems and challenges we face as individuals, as a congregation, and as people. But it does offer the potential, as Sister Joan Chittister told us, to turn a prejudiced world around one heart at a time. It is an opportunity to grow spiritually, a means to create deeper community, and an alternative to the alienation and isolation so common today. And we never know when what we have to offer may be exactly what's needed. Do you remember the Bloom County comic strip, anyone? Yeah. So Opus is one of the regular characters as a penguin. One of my favorite episodes is when he's been thrown into prison for criticizing the government or not shopping enough or some other unpatriotic activity. He's sharing his cell with a dog and they're talking about what they've been put on this planet to do. At the end of bedtime, the dog warns Opus that the floor is cold, and he says he's always wondered what a warm bed feels like. In the last frame, the dog is curled up on top of the penguin. <laughs> Opus had no wisdom about life or any deep insights into what anything meant. He had nothing to offer except himself as a source of warmth and comfort in a cold jail cell. That is radical hospitality. Radical hospitality is a response to our first principle, which asks us to affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every human being. It demands that we defy the cultural norms that reduce people to objects to be used and thrown away, instead inviting us into a deeper, more reverent relationship with one another, to open our hearts to one another and risk knowing others and being more fully known. Theologian Martin Buber refers to this as an I thou relationship. At its deepest level, I thou is not only an intimate encounter with another person, but with the sacred. So beautifully expressed by the Hindu greeting, Namaste. I see and I honor the divine in you. I affirm your sacredness and worth as a child of life itself, and I welcome you as a companion on our shared journey. One of our congregational goals this year is to deepen our culture of welcoming and radical hospitality in order to grow as a spiritual community. I challenge us to lean into this work because it is an opportunity to continue living our Unitarian Universalist values, to make the world closer to what we dream at beginning right here in this place. David Reinick says, in choosing the spiritual practice of hospitality, I live out the longing of my heart creating a new reality for myself and the people around me. I reclaim my power to create the kind of world I want to live in. 
as we begin a new year of worship and work and growing together, may radical hospitality be the heart of our covenantal life together. May we see the divine in one another and the stranger, welcoming all and the gifts brought with open hearts and a willingness to share our gifts with them so that maybe, just maybe, our little corner of the world will be a little more loving and just and we'll all feel as though we are truly home. May it be so, and together we can make it so. Will the ushers please come forward? Early in the service, we remind ourselves to practice the fragile art of hospitality, and may we go forth and shift our perspective and boldly practice radical hospitality and gratitude for a church community where we can continually grow. We now gratefully accept your donations. So uh, in 1994, I moved back to Kent and I wrote this song called Come Home. And I'm now, now realizing it doesn't really fit with this service, so I'm tempted to change it. <laughs> Our, it reminds me of my, the privilege that I have to go wherever I want to go and to stay whenever I want to stay. And uh, so it just, it just reminded me of that. So I think I'll sing it anyway. <laughs> old man standing by the river, old man waits, he stays forever. He's face to face with the old man wisdom. Old man remains in one place just to listen to the river. So many far off cities calling out my name Offer recognition and they promise fame New friends and romance Everything will change Maybe start a rock band So many far off mountains calling out my name Offer peace of mind in the cool, clean rain New friends and romance Everything will change What if it's my last chance? Come home, says the river There's no more time for wandering From city to city Looking for the perfectly cool community to make me perfectly happy come home says the river time to lay down your broken body by the banks of the beautiful Cuyahoga River Probably better coffee in Boston And a community of artists in Austin And there's a woman that's been waiting in Oregon Maybe I could put my roots down in all of them So I 
move to Washington to find my body and then Colorado try to free my body and back to New York maybe sell my body and then walk to the desert try to save my body well now I'm swimming in the healing waters of the broken river I'm waiting to deliver my open body to the Cuyahoga River fall asleep in the water cause it might take forever and always I will have faith and I'll stay Come home, says the river, there's no more time for wandering from city to city, looking for the perfectly cool community to make me perfectly happy. Come home, says the river, time to lay down your broken body by the banks of the beautiful Cuyahoga River Old man standing by the river Old man waits He stays forever He's face to face With the old man wisdom Old man remains in one place Just to listen to the river Come home Come home and stay These are the words of Starhawk. We are all longing to go home to some place we have never been, a place half remembered and half envisioned where we can only catch glimpses of from time to time, community, where a circle of hands will open to receive us, eyes will light up as we enter, voices will celebrate us when we come into our own power, arms to hold us when we falter, a circle of healing, a circle of friends, some place where we can be free. And now blessed by this time together and renewed in our call to the work of radical hospitality where connections are made and strangers become friends, let us go forth in peace and joy to inspire love, seek justice, and grow in community. Amen. May it be so. Blessed be. And namaste. Namaste.